This is an RNZ podcast. This is Media Watch. I'm Colin Peacock. This week, it's all about election 2023, which all came to an end, sort of, on Saturday night. But it began a long, long time ago, and later on, we'll look back at how the media covered a long, long campaign. But first, our look back at how it all went down across the media once the polls finally closed after 7pm on Saturday, live on Sunday morning on RNZ National, with the help of a special guest. We've got a special live Media Watch show for you now. We're going to look back at election coverage night uh, on the media and what might come in the media now that we know the outcome from election night. I'm Colin Peacock here in Wellington and in RNZ's Auckland studio, my colleague Hayden Donnell. Kia ora Hayden, was election night all you hoped and dreamed it would be in the media? Uh, Kia ora Colin, I listened almost exclusively and watched almost exclusively News Hub. And also with you in the Auckland studio, our special guest Robbie Nicholl, white man behind a desk, you're still going under that moniker aren't you Robbie? (laughs) Sometimes yeah. (laughs) All right. well as well as helping us out with the media coverage of last night, you've been following the campaign pretty closely for your own stage show The Late Night Pilot. In fact, just last Thursday, you had a bit of a pre-election special at the Basement Theatre. How did that go? Yeah, it went really well. We had Hayden Donnell as a guest. We threw out the script almost immediately, so excited to see how today goes. So this is a reciprocal (laughs) arrangement. It's like a hostage exchange sort of thing. Yeah. Now, we know what it's like when that's the best you can get at short notice. That's fine. In fact, the blurb for the show, Robbie, did say that the Prime Minister before the current one who I think, this is now ancient history, I think it was Jacinda Ardern, called you a satire genius. Just wondering, do you have any such endorsements from current politicians holding power uh, in the new regime? I think, uh, to be honest, she said that uh, when she was still in opposition, and we've just kept using it, (laughs) I found... um, Typically, when politicians get into power and you're mocking them specifically, they're they're less keen on you. (laughs) All right. Well, there were lots of ways to get across election night in the media last night. So there were live specials uh, here on RNZ, of course, on the radio, also on News Talk ZB. TVNZ and News Hub, as Hayden mentioned there, both had uh, live specials for five hours from 7pm for Kata Māori as well, of course, also did that. Also, they were using their online platforms. And the major news websites, Stuff and The Herald, had uh, live blogs and video. The Herald simulcasting uh, the Envision News Talk ZB effort. Uh, but if you didn't want all that audio-visual noise, you did also have the option of just uh, following all the data rolling in on the Electoral Commission's website in complete silence. Hayden, as you mentioned, uh, News Hub coverage uh, took up most of your mental bandwidth. And uh, I tuned in right at the start there and heard, uh, among other things, Patrick Gower grandly promising to uh, make the virtual real and then this. Three, two, one. For those MPs who, like you, Stuart... Like Stuart, poor old Stuart, he's our first to go. <laughs> that is not the pit of doom, it's, it's a slide into the land of opportunity. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Okay, I like it. <laughs> well, they liked Linda the Laser Kiwi, but for those who haven't seen it, what on earth was that? So what, ha- what was happening in that clip was that... On the desk, Ryan Bridge or Sam Hayes had what looked like kind of a tissue box with a huge button in the middle of it with a picture of Laser Kiwi from the flag referendum. And whenever they touched this huge button, slammed it like a game show, an AR Laser Kiwi emerged 
from the ether or the shadow realm to either give birth in egg form to a new politician or what you heard there was the laser kiwi lasering a hole in the floor through which, in that case, Stuart Nash, one of their panellists, fell down, presumably to be tortured in an underground chamber or something, but the, 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 the politician's bobblehead just falls through the floor and Laser Kiwi then follows it, follows that politician down. Mm, so we've got a little bit of audio here of in the household where you were watching uh, of um, how the, the Kiwi birthed the new ACT MP, Andrew Hoggard. Here it is. Oh my god! <laughs> so, <laughs> I can explain. <laughs> I hadn't missed the start of News Hub's coverage, so I hadn't seen the Kiwi before then, and so it just kind of popped on my screen. Uh, giving birth to Andrew Hoggard in an egg form, and of course that was quite confronting for me. I didn't really understand what was happening. It, it was actually quite a hard watch, wasn't it, Robbie? Did you see the Laser Kiwi Linda at all? When I first heard about Linda the Laser Kiwi, I immediately felt like I'd missed out. So I think there is <laughs> there is something to be said for this kind of gimmick that makes you want to switch channels. Um, and as someone who does like political comedy, you're often just trying to find a way to make something kind of interesting or to do something weird that doesn't sabotage it doesn't stop you from being able to communicate information doesn't like minimize things just and i think why not have a giant kiwi i don't have a problem when you with say it. minimize things some people would think you know the, yeah that the, the sanctity of parliament was somehow broached by linda the laser kiwi vanishing people into the shadow realm and and birthing new mps i understand that critique but you know you got tvnz with serious graphs this is the alternative option they were totally parliament based over there they didn't do (laughs) any there was no kiwis and and the kiwi was augmented reality i want to clarify that i said on twitter that it was uh virtual reality that's not true so can't be making mistakes like that on Twitter. virtual reality is when the whole thing is kiwi Yep. But AR, or augmented reality, is when the Kiwi is brought, brought into our realm, and that's what this was. Okay, yeah. so Robbie, it sounds like you're approving of Linda the Laser Kiwi, which didn't have a heavy presence over five hours of coverage. But at one point, uh, you said during the night, uh, never-ending snack chat uh, on, on the air. Is this an international thing, or are New Zealanders particularly obsessed with snacks on election night? What, what was it that triggered that specifically? It was just the kind of the consistency of it, the fact that it was, you know, it was, everybody is defined by either Fijo or wine or sausage rolls or is it champagne that they've got or is it Prosecco? And I was like, I guess this is just what you talk about when you have to fill time. It's kind of like the weather. When you've got to fill time, you just say, oh, what, uh, what food is around? Yeah, so- At one point, Nick Truebridge on News Hub, he was like, I've downed a glass of champers, and then he immediately seemed to no, I haven't. regret that. So that of, of course I'm joking. That was That's unprofessional, and I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, well after you raised I it, Robbie, I did go back and check. So I think sausage rolls were first referenced just seven minutes in on News Hub's coverage, um, and then on TVNZ's coverage that I was watching fairly closely, um, I think it wasn't until about 23 minutes past that so they had uh, Baz McDonald outside Chris Hipkins' house, uh, where he told viewers this. Is there any sign of him, Baz? No sign of Chris Hipkins yet, but I can answer the question that's on everyone in New Zealand's mind right now. Yes, there are sausage rolls. 
That, that is tremendous news, Baz. Although the National Heart Foundation will, will have had a gutsful. It wouldn't be the only ones who've had a gutsful of sausage rolls by now, but it was weird. Over Baz's shoulder, he didn't mention that outside Chris Hipkins' house, there was what looked like a getaway camper van parked in the drive. So that, I took that as something that people would have genuinely had questions about. Uh, but soon after that, actually, TVNZ's Melissa Stokes was outside Christopher Luxon's home with a, a bag of snacks that she said she'd specifically costed out at $60. And that's a reference to that last TVNZ leaders debate where he told people he only spent $60 a week on food and no one appeared to believe that. Uh, so is this good journalism, Robbie, in the end? Too much this focus on food and snacks? I mean, no. no. I mean, it's fine, isn't it? I mean, it's just killing time. And that's what you've got to do. I mean, there was one point where John Campbell literally said when, when Chris Luxon was going up to give a speech, he was like, that's all the ad-libbing I can do. Please get to the stage. And I, I respected that honesty. Okay, well, we've talked about the graphics and the gimmicks did you both though feel Hayden first starting with you that you got a good sense of what was actually happening and the major plot lines once those results started coming in yes I think so the news hub really put together pretty ably a good package they had some good uh, panelists they had Julian Wilcox Stuart Nash Jenna Lynch Paddy Gower Josie Pagani Marnie Dunlop it was really good to see Marnie back again. She was excellent. She got uh, into some real detail, especially about Nanaya Mahuta's exit from politics, uh, Hannah Rafferty, Mai P. Clark, her rise and her win. Uh, so uh, uh, there was there was really good plot lines that were mentioned. I think that it was pretty lively. If I had to describe the vibes, TVNZ was uh, Chris Luxon in that last debate. You know, they were they were buttoned up, they were dominant, they were trying to seem prime ministerial, whereas News Hub was more like uh, Christopher Hipkins in that last debate. They were unleashed, they had nothing to lose, they were absolutely loose and uh, just going for it and like I did get a sense of the plot lines and you had good stuff from Amelia Wade at Labour headquarters that kind of stuff but it was definitely a lot more chaotic than you might have it, the, the narrative structure was not quite as 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 joined up t- together as you yeah yeah you definitely felt that like when I switched over to Fakata Māori it was like taking a deep breath. <laughs> Whereas News Hub is just kind of like, it felt like a law review, like a high budget law review with, you know, everybody's laughing and there's constant sound effects and graphics. And then you'd switch over to <laughs> Fakata Māori hosted by Tita Wycliffe and it was just, oh, it's just people calmly sitting around a table and having a conversation. The Māori seats were really one of the plot lines of the night. And I don't want to say that News Hub didn't get that across because they actually did get really good commentary on it. But you probably got a better sense of it from Fakata Māori. They're more focused on it. Uh, you had a lot, I don't know if we want to mention this, but p- catchphrases, Robbie. We jotted some yeah. of them down. The night of the mixed metaphor, I think, was a was a common theme. I mean, Paddy was really... It felt like every time you cut to Paddy Gower, he was trying to make a new catchphrase popular. In fact, we've got one for you now. Uh, so this is uh, one he introduced, I think, just with 6% of the vote counted. Patrick Gower introduced this concept. We've got a big, big, big blue wave coming. It could be a blue NAMI. Blue Nami. Blue Nami. That, that, that really undersells it. I wish that you'd had time overnight to stay up from 1am to 5am yeah. putting together all the times that Patrick Gower said Blue Nami, but he was trying to make Blue Nami happen. He, yeah. Against the will of, it has to be said, many of his co-panellists, his colleagues, Sam Hayes at one stage openly said to him on the air, she said, you have to stop saying Blue Nami, Paddy. It sounds like Poo Nami. 
and he would not stop. <laughs> he and rolled he got, with that. And he got Lloyd Burr involved in saying Blue Nummy. He got allies. So that was a real subplot on the News Hub coverage, I think. The Blue Nami uh, battle that was going on between the Blue Nami detractors and Patrick Gower and his allies. In fact, I can exclusively reveal that on TVNZ, uh, the Blue Nami also gate crashed and made an appearance where TVNZ had an interview with a quite wide-eyed Amanda Luxon out in the street, which to me was a bit of a sign that they'd already called it and decided this was going to be a comprehensive national victory. But anyhow, uh, when she was interviewed by a crowd of reporters, TVNZ's coverage, uh, their viewers uh, were introduced to the Blue Army concept of Patrick Gower like this. Results look like they're going your way, a blue, a blue nami, as uh, Paddy Gower is calling it. Look, we're just we're just enjoying the night and watching it come through, and um, yeah, so that's how proud of you of your husband are you at the moment? Oh, I'm incredibly proud. He's um, yeah done a really good race and um, worked really hard, and yeah, I feel uh, I hear that he's very feeling very relaxed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's kind of hard to feel relaxed when there's a big decision coming ahead. So. Um, Did you roll the pastry yourself, Amanda? Only. I'm not that talented, I'm afraid. There we go. So I'm sorry we're back on the snacks again, Robbie. But there's. If um, you play any clip for too long, someone will mention snacks. Yeah. Did you just roll that until food was mentioned and then cut out? (laughs) I wonder if that's a political problem, though. If you have the first lady is then now calling her, being grilled on her sausage roll game and pastry skills, and admitting she's not a top class pastry chef. Will New Zealanders judge you for that, maybe? Well, yeah, that will be ele- that, that's the first big electoral blow. Uh, it has to be said that Patrick Gower, <laughs> it wasn't just the Blue Nami that he was he was trying to sell. For every Blue Nami that really took off and was you know picked up over on TVNZ, there also you know he was throwing a lot <laughs> out there at the. I wall. don't want to indicate that Blue Nami somehow overshadowed everything else. You also had uh, I, I I jotted this one. I think the phrase is Roy G. Biv because you've got a whole lot of colours, and that was to do with his. What he called his flipboard, his election flipboard, where flip he showed wall. which yeah, yeah. flip wall, where the where the seats were were uh, flipping. He said he likes to call his AR Parliament Paddy's Parliament. That's great. Uh, he said the winds of change are coming to the windy city. About Tamitha Paul winning in Wellington Central. He said top remains on the bottom of New Zealand politics regarding Raf Manji failing to win Islam. Uh, and he also tried to make. Blue Moon Rising happened when Blue Nami obviously met with some resistance. Did you know any? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Red Wave is now not even a puddle. That was one. Mission Bay Impossible. Mm. Um, <laughs> Ryan Bridge also had a go. I felt like then it started to become kind of competitive yeah. and it was urgent that you had to get your own catchphrases going. Um, he talked about the the three-way ram raid analogy, which uh, uh, is challenging. That's a massive mixed metaphor because you're referencing the rugby there, the three-way handshake. You're referencing one of the election storylines. I don't think you can do a three-way ram raid. Not many (laughs) shops actually have three windows. Yeah, for context, he was saying that, you know, Labour was being attacked from three sides. Uh, But, you know, if you don't understand the analogy right away, maybe maybe leave it. Wasn't this poetry at one point, Hayden? Patrick Gale poetry for Chris Hipkins? Lost in the blue army of catchphrases oh. and everything else. It was all poetry, Colin, is the thing. So it's, oh. it's all it's poetry. Hard. One big yeah. five hour tone poem. Yeah. Look, <laughs> uh, Hayden, you mentioned that some of the most interesting results were in those Māori seats. Those in the run up in the campaign, not nearly as well polled and covered uh, as others. Um, did they, though, get good coverage 
on the night that you saw because, you know, obviously those results, Labour losing a grip on a lot of those seats, some of them yet to be settled on um, special votes and so on yet. But uh, did, did they get coverage and uh, good coverage in what you saw and read and heard? Well, as I say, I'm, I was mainly on News Hub. I thought Mani was really good talking to Debbie Ngadiwa Packer about her win. She kind of addressed her quite colloquially and talked to her like a friend and probably elicited information that maybe others wouldn't have got. You were on for Katamari though, weren't you, Robbie? So what was the coverage like over the air? <laughs> I guess it is the contrast in news hub that it seemed so sober uh, and calm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was the most, it was some of the most interesting stories of the night. So I felt like all the coverage I saw across the channels was was excellent. I mean, I loved it when Sam Hayes said to Hannah Rafati, might be Clark, you know, did you ever in your wildest dreams expect this? And Hannah just went, nah, no. <laughs> that was one of the best interviews of the night, right? Yeah. Under the News Hub interview it was great. with Hannah Rafati. And really, I mean, she's, she, I think Patrick Garrett once said, she said, oh, she's, she said, she's the youngest MP in 170 years. And he went, do you know who the other one is? Neither do I. And he's sort of like tricking his uh, uh, <laughs> colleagues there. Uh, but she was one of the most dignified grounded grounded (laughs) interviews of the night despite being the youngest MP in 170 years other uh, MPs were definitely a lot um, looser in their victory marches and and I'd have to give great credit actually to TVNZ or perhaps it was just good luck but uh, the timing of a cross uh, to uh, Tianawa Hurihanganui at uh, Te Pāti Māori's headquarters in Hawara what's going on there? I know it's early days, but the party Māori are dominating at this stage of the night. So that was a nice cross there and good timing just as the Pātea Māori Club uh, kicked off. But uh, one issue uh, that came up in the run-up in the campaign that, again, it's not new, but the low level of enrolment, particularly for under 25-year-olds. Now, Robbie, uh, last year you produced the second season of uh, The Citizen's Handbook. It's uh, on the RNZ website, um, a video and audio series about how political systems work aimed at younger people. Do you think you know, the media have a, a role uh, to play on this? Because actually it was discussed on RNZ's special at length, Lisa Owen, Jane Patterson, uh, along with Dave Latelli, um, the Auckland community advocate, talked at some length about this huge gaps, huge problem um, with you know the younger section of the population just not being an, as enrolled and engaged in politics. Yeah, I mean, the first season that we did, the Citizen's Handbook came out, and then there was the highest turnout in a long time. Um, Turns out we weren't the cause uh, (laughs) of that high turnout, uh, because we put out the second season, and now it hasn't gone as well this year. In many ways, the second season, this is a very, very damning judgment on it. No youth (laughs) army. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll take some time to reflect on that. Um, but yeah, look, obviously it's really sad and it does speak to a greater feeling of, of young people just not feeling connected to their community, which is the most worrying thing. We had an inequitable de- decline in turnout and actually we had, I, I think the analysis is starting to show, it's still early days, but lo- lower turnout in South Auckland and places like Manu Rewa and... It seems that potentially some of the media narratives about the polling may have depressed turnout, this feeling that it was a foregone conclusion, which really took hold in the media and was probably reinforced by the polling. 
where you report the polls, nationals ahead, you say nationals probably going to win, that declines Labor's support, depresses their turnout, makes their report their their result worse, and then the next poll shows another decline, and so you get into this death spiral. And we've actually talked about that quite a lot throughout the election campaign. This the, That polling reporting can be self-reinforcing. It happens for both sides. It happened for national last election. Our reporting on polls is starting to actually impact on the real-life voting habits of people. So is, I don't know whether there's call for uh, more guidelines on poll reporting or anything like that. We'd need to consider it, I think. Well, the polls all seem to be pointing to Winston Peters as a kingmaker. Um, various media organisations, various polls all seem to be pointing that way, and that was definitely a bit of a narrative uh, running up to election night itself. Uh, so we don't know quite how that's going to shake down. Special votes will come into that. We won't know for some time whether uh, they will be a factor in the negotiations or not. But um, there was another slightly comical uh, musical moment uh, crossing to Winston Peters for his speech at New Zealand First headquarters last night. New Zealand First is getting there, and Nick Trubridge is live from the Duke of Marlborough, where Winston Peters is due to arrive shortly. Wow. Yeah, Nick Trubridge, it was on our News Hub special. Great bit of timing. Nice bit of distortion on the microphone too there. But I went back into the archives for the last time New Zealand First and Winston Peters came back from having been out of Parliament, 2011. Uh, Winston Peters claimed at that time that he'd done so in spite of the media. I listened to a speech this time uh, when he came up live. He didn't do that. But it seems to me the media get it in the neck, uh, even from political opponents of Winston Peters. And to me, this is a, a something that Craig McCulloch, RNZ's deputy political uh, editor, recorded in, in Wairarapa at a National Party event earlier this past week. Well, it's it. that oh, yeah, but, but it's the fourth estate gave him oxygen. You guys are the pricks that gave him oxygen. So <laughs> you f*** it up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think you did. That, you don't think it was maybe a, a mistake by National to open no, the No, you you're the first ones that gave him asked in the polls whether to vote for him or not. It's the fourth estate that <laughs> it up. I bet you don't play much of this, mate. <laughs> this is great radio right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> duh, I have to so there you go, the media get it in the neck for uh, creating the Winston Peters phenomenon. Um, I, thought, but... I thought that's incisive analysis, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> really, Colin, there is a strange ritualistic dance between Winston Peters and the media where there's kind of a mutual knifing but also a total codependence. I don't know if there's an, an analogy for it in nature, but it's, it's, it's just the way we have to cover it because he's rising and he's rising because we have to cover it. And it's like the, the opposite of a death spiral. It's yeah. an up spiral. It's a stairway to heaven. So what then or should Parliament. what we should Paddy Gower for these analogies? Yes, I'm not good at it. What should political editors, political reporters be thinking about now? Because in a kind of vacuum of uncertainty, not knowing whether they're going to be doing this whole negotiation with Winston Peters coverage as a story or not. Can't be worse than last time, right? Where we just covered his every move for about two weeks. Where reporters running back and forth in Parliament, scary. I, I I don't know what's going to happen. I wonder whether Winston Peters will ask uh, for the full results to be revealed and actually for the by-election to be held before we truly get the shape of Parliament and start the negotiations. So it could be a really long, it could be a long few weeks for the country and for National and for everyone. Really, hey, uh, before we go on, Colin, I found the poem. Okay. Patrick Gower's poem that we mentioned earlier in the show, and I think I should read it. It was uh, this regarding Labour's result. Roses are red. Labour is two. But Chris Hipkins 
no one likes you. Or not enough anyway. This is, and that was how he announced Chris Hipkins uh, and Labour's result uh, at his Paddy's Parliament AR so station. You, you think you would need to find just a quiet moment, maybe take the headphones off, draw the curtains and just compose yourself to write a bit of poetry like that in the middle of a bl- red, blue wave, blue army. It seemed like he actually did find that time to compose that. Unless if that was off the cuff, then good on you, Patrick. But as we saw, it was a, it seemed a bit rough because Chris Hipkins was really really taking the result hard, so he probably didn't need Patrick's poetry. Okay. That was Media Watch's Hayden Donnell in Auckland and our special guest Robbie Nicholl, also known as White Man Behind a Desk and the host of RNZ's politics series for younger people, The Citizen's Handbook. They joined me from Auckland for our live Media Watch election night coverage special on RNZ National on Sunday morning. And as well as helping us get across the media coverage of election night, Robbie's also been following the campaign closely for his own comedy stage shows throughout, the late night pilot. And if you're in or around Auckland, his next one is on Wednesday, November the 22nd at the Basement Theatre. And if it all feels like election night brought to an end an extremely long campaign, you're not alone. The parties have been fighting for support for months. Here's Media Watch's look back at how the media covered it all. At what point did you personally resign yourself to a loss? I haven't, Tova. Um, I never have. That was stuff political correspondent Tova O'Brien with a leading question for Labour's campaign chair Megan Woods in the final Tova podcast of this election campaign last Thursday. And in response to that response, Tova O'Brien asked her this. With respect, I mean, are you delusional or are you not being completely upfront with me? Oh, I, I like the way you um, put the two options there for me. I am neither of those. While Megan Woods insisted her party was still in it to win it, Tover O'Brien wasn't the only broadcaster seemingly convinced that the government's grip had already slipped. Indeed, some were telling their listeners that a long time ago. I'm happy to make this prediction. National will win the election. Easily. That was News Talk ZB Drive host Heather Duplessy-Ellen way back in February. And in March, ZB's Mike Hosking was calling the outcome of the election like this. The pressure's actually on national. Not only is the victory there for the taking, it's just how large the thrashing is going to be. And even earlier that month, Mike Hosking was prepared to predict just how big a thrashing. National would get 38 to 42%, he reckoned, and ACT would get 12 to 15% of the vote for what Mike Hosking said would be an easy election night victory, no matter what the polls are telling you. And Mike was also telling you that Labour would get 29 to 32%, and the Greens only 6 or 7%. And he made no mention back then of New Zealand First, which at that point hadn't come anywhere near the 5% threshold in any poll. But even after the party did more recently, Mike Hoskradamus was still prepared to say this last Thursday. Uh, My most ropey prediction so far is that Peters won't actually make it. I'm still not ruling that out. Everything would indicate I'm wrong. But what I would defend myself by saying at this particular point in time, all the polls that have them across the line barely have them across the line. And if you're barely across the line, you're barely below the line. You're a fraction away from not being there. And it's a good job Mike Hosking was prepared to be wrong, though he was far from the only broadcaster not really willing to wait until we'd all actually voted. As long ago as late last year, in fact, Mike Hosking decided the current government was on the way out because of retirements. 
David Clark's a classic example. He's clearly worked out they're gone. I know personally there's a bunch of cabinet ministers who know they're gone, but it'll be interesting to see how many. But it was the unplanned and scandalous downfall of no fewer than three more ministers and the defection of another in May and June this year that convinced other pundits the tide had already gone out. Swing voters who were considering voting Labour will now go, nah, it's a shambles. That was Dr Bryce Edwards of Victoria University in Wellington and former MP Tohenere also reckoned those scandals would sway the swinging voters. Look, a week ago I was still under the belief that it would be very, very close. In fact, I was calling a hung parliament. This week, um, I don't think so. But those voters would have to have six-month-long memories at least for that. Now, some other pundits back then declared it was who was soft on or tough on crime, which would be decisive in the election, with ram raids and violent crime in the headlines daily. And as RNZ's political editor Jane Patterson said at the time, the media found the much-mentioned Ipsos Issues Monitor pretty persuasive on that count. And you've just seen it really steadily climb up and now to be um, number two in that campaign from National Soft on Crime, Feeling Safe, and National's picked up on that. So I think there's a political element too in terms of how people are feeling. And the media picked up on that too, big time. And soon after that, the government, all of a sudden, announced two new youth justice facilities would be built, though they had no budget or timeline for them. At the time, News Talk ZB's political editor Jason Walls and host Jack Tame were unconvinced. And a cynic, Jack, might say that it's poll-driven and 87 no. days out. No. Not me. Now, at that time, those trying to point out that not all crimes were going up, youth crime specifically, were drowned out. And on Stuff's podcast, Newsable, the political editor Luke Malpass put it like this. Justice seems to be a bit based on vibes recently. Yeah, well, I mean, the politics of law and order are a mixture of um, evidence and emotion. And so is much of the media coverage of it, he could have added. National's Justice spokesperson Mark Mitchell later insisted that the media were actually not making enough out of crime. After what you've seen, they're actually underreporting. There's a lot more violent crime and a lot more violence happening in our communities and our cities around the country that's going unreported. And in late July, the bad vibes about another issue prompted one morning report listener to get in touch with this. And finally, this person just says election 23. It's going to be the potholes and ram raids election. Oh, goodness, I hope there is uh, more to it than that. Not long after that, National announced one of Labour's big cost-of-living election plans early, GST off fruit and veggies. And when the preview opened the books soon after in August, the National Party's finance spokesperson Nicola Willis sparked sniggers and went viral with this jibe at the finance minister in Parliament. How big is his hole? And do... (laughs) That is not in the public interest, I can assure you. Uh, Apologies, apologies, Mr Speaker. Um... And that was a reminder there that even after all this electioneering, the House had not yet risen and the official campaign period hadn't even begun. But an almost daily drip of piecemeal policies was well underway from the parties on potholes, childcare, boot camps and many, many more issues. And in September, the opposition fired its first big shot, a tax cut package for the squeezed middle, promising average Kiwi families with kids up to $250 a fortnight. News Hub's political editor Jenna Lynch told viewers at that time they'd find that much more appealing than cheaper fruit and veggies. And 20 bucks just isn't enough to buy a vote in this economy. All of the focus groups say so, but $250, that is massive money. Genius.
But last week, once the Council of Trade Unions had crunched the numbers and found only a handful of households would get that massive money... We've always said, look, up to $250. But he hasn't always said that. Here's Luxon in the first TVNZ leaders debate where he didn't use the words up to. For an average household income family with young kids, that would mean $250 a fortnight and that would make a huge difference to them. Jenna Lynch told her viewers this time that what she had described as masterful political marketing in early September was actually dodgy retail sales type politics. Yeah, effectively what they were doing with all of that up to 250 is like an old retail technique, having an up to 80% off sale and then only having one item in the store worth that the rest of the store is only 10% off. Meanwhile, the campaign candidates trudged on through photo opportunities with babies, school kids and scooping a gelato, while the Greens mixed it up with a visit to a hip record store, which pundit Ben Thomas reckoned sent entirely the wrong message on the spin-off's podcast Gone by Lunchtime. The cost of living crisis is that, you know, <laughs> how is a family of four going to afford a triple gatefold best of pavement vinyl set in this economy? But the Greens' low, low profile campaign didn't hinder high rewards in the opinion polls, contradicting earlier predictions that their own candidate chaos and crybaby claims would be their undoing. Meanwhile, the ACT Party's popularity in polls plunged, while Winston Peters' party went the other way as the media made him kingmaker. And that followed a video from the National Party leader, leaked strategically to the media, which explained that he would pick up the phone to Winston Peters if necessary. And that was a move Checkpoint's Lisa Owen dramatised like this. Ring, ring. Hello, is that you, Winston? Christopher Luxon calling. A reminder there that for all the sound and fury of an election campaign and then election day, forming an actual government is another story altogether, one which will also run and run in our media. And that's all from Media Watch for election 2023. We'll be back again with more on the media though, and maybe a bit more on the election fallout as well, on Midweek Media Watch. That's after the 10pm news next Wednesday on Nights with Mark Leishman. And then we'll be back again with more Media Watch at the same time next weekend here on RNZ National.